on today's Stuck In. So much American blood flow, you'll get a bit lightheaded and probably even pass out. You know, as the greatest podcast of all time, talking about the greatest soccer country in the history of the world, naturally we've got a perfect episode for you. And we could have waited for this 3 p.m. game to send our cum shots to the moon, but uh, wait, what? Who's winning one now? Eh, never mind. Let's just get to the good stuff. America the Beautiful. We've got more ground to cover than Brendan Aronson pressing for 83 minutes, so without further ado, let's get stuck in. Welcome to Stuck In, a Farmers League soccer podcast. Today is Monday, August 22nd, 2022. And at the Elland Road Congress, assembled on August 21st, 2022, the unanimous declaration of the United Leeds of America. When in the course of footballing events, it becomes necessary for a peoples to dissolve the malicious and baseless stigmas which have followed them throughout the sport and to assume among the big six of the Premier League the separate and equal station to which the laws of soccer and the soccer gods entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they demonstrate to the soccer world the falsehood of these stigmas. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all players, regardless of their national origin, and especially those from America, are created equal, that they are endowed by the soccer gods with certain inalienable rights, that amongst them are pressing like your life depends on it, calling it a PK instead of a penalty, and the deserving of the respect of fans and peers alike. Jared, on this day, I would like to go ahead and declare our American soccer independence. So that's why we're recording so late? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, dude, I'm, like, I'm just so fucking pumped I, right I now. Think I, I life, just don't even have the words for it. In a past life, you must have been a history teacher or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I crafted that one up. Uh, I, I you know, burned the midnight oil for that and all that good stuff. Oh, my goodness. I'm just – well, and, and that's because that's how long it took for me to get my erection down. It, we, we were at, like, Viagra levels of blood flow. Yeah, no, absolutely a, a fantastic uh, two hours of, of football watching. Of course, the Leeds dominating Chelsea from pillar to post, really. And, and you know, it was a game that I think we could have predicted Leeds could, could compete in and win. But I, I don't know that anybody, even Jesse Marsh himself, saw this kind of performance happen and, and for, for 90 minutes. 
Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, and, and obviously, we'll break it down. And, and this is going to be, uh, if it wasn't already, uh, a very uh, Amero-centric podcast. Um, let, let's kick it off with, with just a couple of the scenes. Obviously, Chelsea nil, the United Leeds of America three. Um, I just love the, the quote from Aronson afterwards. Uh, quote, it just it goes to show people around the world that Americans can play football, too. We are playing for a Premier League team, getting goals and assists on the coaching side, too. There's more and more talent. It's a great start. And it's going to get better. And then, Jared, just at the end of the game, Tyler Adams draped in the American flag. I mean, that just made me proud to the point of jingoism. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's everything that the uh, it's everything that a Trump rally is for a certain part of the country. <laughs> us, I'm pretty sure is, is how that felt. Yeah, very. You, you're not going near the, the third rail of uh, American politics, are you, Jared? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, but yeah, let's let's actually uh, you know break the game down. Bottom line, uh, you know, Chelsea, you've been marshed. Uh, it's soccer, motherfuckers. I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if you break down the game, obviously, uh, uh, Aronson in the 33rd opening up the scoring. Uh, Rodrigo Moreno adding one just four minutes later, and then uh, Jack Harrison, your boy. I'm, I'm sure you'll pop off on him a little bit, uh, uh, adding the the trifecta, and then just for shits and giggles, Koulibaly getting a second yellow at the end of the game just to really put the the, the stamp uh the icing on top of that that dumpster fire cake that is uh, that is Chelsea but yeah let, let, let's kick it off man I mean just with the Brennan Aronson goal because dude I think that is the epitome of this Marsh style of play we've seen it all through the Red Bull system um I mean he came into Leeds last year kind of saying like guys I'm not going to show you my brand of football yet I, I get the idea of Bielsa but first let's just survive relegation and then next year it'll happen uh and then obviously actually a, you know a rough start in the first game but but this was like sort of the epitome of Marsh football and Aaron's Excuse me, Aronson closing down uh, Mendy uh, for the first goal, I think, was just really, really the epitomization of, of Marsh football. Yeah, and, and Aronson's statement of intent, which is a phrase I'm probably going to use multiple times today, uh, really started even before that when he drew that first yellow on Koulibaly, where he just like puts him in the spin cycle. And it's just and there was a pace to him and there's a there's that speed of play and that speed of thought there that you take one of the best center backs in the world and he just absolutely abuses him there. And from that moment forward, he's just not only great on the ball, but of course he's being a pest. You know, he, he gives up a ball in, 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 you know, in the attacking third and then decides, screw it, I'm going to go chase this ball down. I'm going to go chase Mendy. And maybe, you know, maybe he'll kick it out of bounds. Maybe he'll, he'll have, you know, her pa- his, his pass won't be very good and, and someone will steal it and we can counter. And of course he gets, you know, obviously fortunate that Mendy decides to, uh, to temporarily go brain dead. But you, you create your own good luck in, in this sport. We, we talk about it all the time. And when you do those things over and over and over again, and you're a pest and you're annoying and you work hard and you have a motor that doesn't stop, Good things are going to happen, sometimes because of your skill, sometimes because of your ability, but also sometimes because of really good luck. And uh, this is the best kind where you just you get a guy to, to do something, you know, that he, he wouldn't normally do to take advantage and, and you get a big goal and the, the little no look finish. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> what was it, Jared? Point uh, nine nine XG, I yeah, believe. Point nine. I think it was a yeah, pretty point nine nine there from uh, unexpected <laughs> goal chart. Uh, a pretty good finish. Yeah, and a quick shout on Mendy. I mean, what the fuck was he thinking? Like, I, I get it. You know, his uh, his teammate, you know, fizzes the ball back to him instead of you know a nice little back pass. Uh, you know, uh, he, he was kind of stitched up a little bit. So, but but like, why not just blast it into the cheap seats and then yell at your defenders? Why like try and make a move? Uh, and 
and lose the ball in your own six yard box to concede and then get pissed. Like just, just fucking play it out for a corner for God's sake. I mean, like you, you do really have to wonder the psychology of sometimes of professional athletes. And I legitimately do wonder if you have situ, if you have players, you know, in the world, like an Ederson that can do stuff like that kind of so easily. Mm. And then other goalies just feel this almost like this inherent desire to, to be like that. And, you know, sometimes you see the, a striker play a certain way or score a certain way and then everyone's trying to do it or, or you know, Neymar pulls out a trick move and then you see 15 Brazilian wingers trying to do the same thing. Yeah. I do wonder if there is like almost like that copycat, like, oh, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get found out and then you realize that maybe you can't do it. Yeah. Or, or just kind of like zombie level adherence to the, you know, the gaffer structure. Like I just know like a lot of players, they, they are told certain things by their coach. They're given certain coaching points and, and their roles are very, you know, defined. And they say in this situation, you know, in X do Y type of thing. And, and maybe that's, he's just sticking to it instead of like just using his brain and being like, ah, I'll get it next time. And yeah, no, but could be, it's just, and you go, obviously, you could, I mean, even before the ball was in the net, he started throwing a hissy fit. Like he was like stomping on the ground and like jumping. Yeah. And I don't know if that was, I mean, I'm sure if part of that anger was self-directed. I, I do wonder if part of it was, you know, also at the defender who kind of put him in that spot. But, you know, it was kind of one of those things where even before it was done, he had realized the gravity of of his mistake and, and the other contempt for himself he had in that moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, he's right. Like, the defender should have dropped in to become an option. But the reality of the situation was he wasn't. And so just, like, blast it out and then yell at him instead of, you know, conceding like that. But anyways, uh, not to harp on that too much. Um, but, yeah, that opens up the scoring, obviously. Uh, lead doubled just four minutes later, as we said. Uh, your boy, Jack Harrison, just whipping in another fantastic free kick. Uh, just your classic, you know, uh, 25, 30 yards out at an angle. Uh, just put a little, like, you know, in – uh, out swinging whip onto it uh and and really all you have to do is get that glancing blow on it and, and moreno got on the end of it and uh what do you know two nil yeah if rodrigo keeps scoring like this obviously patrick bamford's uh absence will be far less noticed and uh you know and, and look i think that we've talked about this several times and we'll keep repeating it you know again world cup year right you have a lot of players around the world who are who are kind of those fringe to not even being on the team kind of players and i think you're going to see a lot of these guys just really kind of to ball out a little bit and i think rodrigo's the perfect case right now you know mm -hmm. guy who's very fringe right on brazil's team but you know you could probably flip a coin and more often than not it, it might appear on him quite not making it this year you know mm -hmm. obviously brazil has, has so many forwards and wingers that are that are quality but this is the kind of stuff that you're going to have some of these guys that just kind of ball out trying to you know that have this superhuman almost um desire to try and to try and get that last second thing and i think rodrigo's doing that so far he's everywhere he's doing all sorts of things he's scoring with his feet he's scoring with his head he's making great runs he's incisive he's just doing everything you want to do and he's almost unrecognizable uh in terms of like the performance like obviously the talent's been there but for him to be you know obviously through three games small sample size i guess to a point but just what he's doing seems eminently repeatable um and so it, it seems to me like this is a guy who could very much be uh, you know, again, one of these very key factors, even if Bamford returns, because like, he's just, he, again, he's everywhere. He's doing everything.
Yeah, um, except the, the only weird thing about that for me, Jared, is that we're, we're really talking way too much about, you know, non-American oh, players. So let, let, let's get back to the focus at, at hand here. Um, but kind of an American player. Why, why don't you uh, spout off a little bit on your boy, Jack Harrison, just to remind the readers uh, or the listeners, sorry, uh, obviously, uh, Jack Harrison. Um, is he an actual Wake Forest alum? Did he graduate from there or just play there for a year? No, nah, he was there, I believe, for two years. Obviously, uh, a, a probably a little bit too good to stay there for the full yeah, of course. Whole thing, but obviously uh, British English uh, did move to the United States to go to high school and for college. Um, actually played one year at Wake, uh, then became the number one uh, draft pick overall, essentially uh, number one overall pick to NYC. Uh, and then you know again he, he's there for two years, uh, and then um, you know made the move to Europe to first Middlesbrough, then Leeds, and, and ever since then has has been on that. Uh, that attacking, you know, that, that upward trajectory. And, and he's been absolutely fantastic. I thought he was really good last year as well uh, for Leeds, you know, scoring some goals, being active down the wing, even before Marsh got there. And I think that, again, he's another guy who, even though was there before Marsh, is like that perfect Marsh player. Again, he can run, he can run his ass off for 70, 75 minutes. He's gets in dangerous positions. He can shoot, he can pass, he can, obviously is the set piece. He can put a ball right on, you know, right on a guy's head from, you know, 20, 25 yards out. And, and again, he's a guy who, uh if if he was american if he had the ability to get the passport i think he he you know we'd be he'd be a guy that we would definitely go after and try and you know naturalize and and, and get on our team but you know sadly that's not the case and and but god if he keeps up this trajectory i know he's 25 but is there a chance he could even you know really draw that english uh national team uh not for this four cup obviously but maybe after is there a chance he can get into that conversation as well yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Uh, and it just made me think a player who is kind of playing his way out of, uh, you know, the, the English setup. Uh, Connor Gallagher, can we just say a very quick word about him? Uh, you know, obviously a pretty high profile transfer uh, into Chelsea. And then, yeah, I mean, Tuchel's just, you know, he's he's loyal to the point of, of absurdity, you know, to that uh, three four two one, and, uh, you know, slotting him in after an entire year at Crystal Palace of just absolutely tearing shit up as an attacking mid, you know, sticks him next to Jorginho and expects him to play like, you know, a six, a holding mid. Uh, I'm not really sure what that is about and, and can we just say like you know a little bit more of a general word on, on Tuchel and and I don't know is, is he going stale there uh is he you know we've heard that his reputation precedes him as being a notoriously difficult manager to work with is that kind of coming out is this like a Mourinho you know third season syndrome what do you think man I think he's stupid stubborn and I think that not only – I mean, look, you have your formation, you have your formation. I, I'm not really going to, you know, begrudge him that idea. But, like, you have so much attacking talent on this team, and none of them play well. And, you know, and we can talk about, you know, obviously from the American perspective, we can talk about Pulisic not playing a lot and should he leave or whatever. But it's not just him, right? It's Ziyech can't even get – you know, gets off – can't start a game, gets off the bench, doesn't look great. Uh, to me, I mean, Havertz has, has been mercurial at best. Mason Mount, I don't get. Like, I just, I don't get the infatuation with Mason Mount as a whole. Like, not only by Chelsea, but by, like, the English people as a whole. Like, they think he's, like, God's gift. Like, he's good. Like, great. And then, like, Loftus-Cheek isn't doing, like, nobody plays well there. And it's like, you know, I don't think Pulisic should make a move because he's not playing. I think Pulisic should make a move because he should, any like, just about anywhere else, I think, will be more flexible, to be more... uh, I don't even know the like the terminology I would use, but like it's just it's so stuck in the mud right now. Well, well yeah, let's, 
let's say that, the, you know, the minutes are probably the most important thing, but also, you know, uh, getting coached up and being flexible, having, you know, different roles in, in different formations and being like an adaptable player is obviously part of your development. And he's not getting any of that. Not only is Tuchel, you know, married to this system uh, and, and not moving from it, but, but also Pulisic doesn't really play. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the playing is important. But again, even if he were to start every game, like where? Like what position does Chelsea have? Right. And I understand that Pulisic has been uh, able to play in a variety of things. He can he has been able to play up top a little bit or, or behind the striker and been decent enough. But, you know, he's a, he's a freaking winger and they don't play with wingers. And so, you know, they play with wing backs. And they, he did that for a while and he was, you know, so great. So like what player, you know, if you look at the, the, the team that started yesterday, you know, you have this, as you said, Gallagher and Jorginho and I guess Mount sort of in a, you know, like in the center of the midfield, you have Loftus-Cheek and Cucurella on the wings and you have Sterling and Havertz up front. Like what position does Chelsea currently have? that he's going to step in and look good because now he comes in and plays. Okay, fine. He comes in for, you know, Loftus cheek and plays kind of on a right wing and then he doesn't play very well because it's not really his position. Then everyone goes, Oh, well, I guess he's not very good. And then Tuchel shoves him back onto the bench. So where's like, where does it go? Where's the upside to not only Pulisic, but any of these guys right now, like, you know, Sterling's coming in, he's playing like up top with Havertz. Like that's not right. That's not what he does. And so if, if Tuchel does not, change what he does and there's no evidence to to believe he will then i i don't see how it works and and i think we've seen that through three games where they've looked bang average at best yeah 100 percent. and probably the the only uh you know loss of american blood flow right there the pulisic thing but but i i, I do fancy him on a transfer even if it is to uh you know the club that shall not be named and will not be named today uh although they do play earlier so <laughs> Maybe we'll throw in a little bonus uh, pod when when that one's five nil. Uh, but but anyways, uh, yeah, j- just l- l- let's bring it back to to the point here. Uh, let's get the the plot again, um, which is some major American blood flow. Uh, bottom line. Oh, and if we could just say the the quick. Uh, Icing on top of the cake here, like we said, Koulibaly with the second yellow uh, uh, to send him off in, in the 84th minute. I mean, just like, what are you thinking, dude? Just one of those classic, you know, what are you thinking? And yeah, just another credit to Brennan Aronson. And, and by the way, that first yellow, like you said, you know, turned him like a top. Um, I think that's, and I texted this to the group, I just think he is, you know, one of the top in the world at that like he's obviously very technical um he's great at dribbling penetrating um but what most players do when that ball is sort of like played on the ground at a diagonal your momentum's carrying you away from the goal your back is to goal and the the defenders right on you most of them kind of like take that touch out towards the sideline try to create like a little bit of space for themselves so they can face the defender up and take him on but the problem is is like that's given you know the rest of the players to sort of to set up in their defensive shape for the you know, the cover and the balance to come. Um, whereas Aronson receives it, his body's going toward the sideline and like with literally just one plant of the foot into the ground, turns it, goes the other direction, momentum of the defenders carried uh, the other way. And I mean, he's through. If Koulibaly doesn't stop him there, I mean, that's probably like a Kalini, you know, on soccer type of thing. He's probably through to score. So maybe a good yellow in the moment or whatever. But I mean, you just got to clap up Aronson for, oh, that beautiful technique. The techers are great and the dribbling is great. And you would think that, like, you know, to your point, logically, that if you're Aronson and you're a shifty five, you know, five ten winger, the best thing you can do is actually get Koulibaly on the sideline where he's not right. in the center. He's not in his best position. And maybe Koulibaly thinks that that's what's going to happen. And maybe, you know, he cheats a little bit. But, to, yeah, as you said, to, to have the uh, 
uh, agility really and the speed of, of, of play really to spin it so quickly. And I think that, you know, a lot of players, they, they might even think the right move is to spin back inside and use that defender's momentum against them. But if you don't do it at a very rapid pace, he has time to get his foot in, he has time to shift back and make play. So for him to do it, just get it so quickly. It was really a, a blink and you miss it kind of situation. And, you know, and then Koulibaly uh, is lost there and, and, you know, it's, and you just put yourself in that spot where this is what ninth minute of the game, I believe. And so now you're 80 minutes on a, on a, on a yellow card. And, and of course the chickens come home to roost, as you said, a, a dumb second yellow. If for no other reason that, I mean, as again, it's three, nothing in the 85th minute, like what, like let him go. And even if the guy scores a goal, I guess it's more quote unquote embarrassing, but now you're not suspended for next week. Um, you know, yeah. I think that that would be the smarter decision there. Uh, but obviously uh, not really, you know, I, I, whether there was a loss of blood to the head or just maybe frustration coming home to roost. Uh, but yeah, obviously he finds himself now suspended for Leicester. And, and I guess maybe that's not the worst sight, you know, thing in the world right now. But I, I, I think it was just, it was really an all encompassing play for just how frustrated Chelsea was all night. Mm. Nine minutes in on a yellow and without a jock strap either. Sprint. Played the rest of the game without one. Uh, brutal. Uh, but yeah, bottom line, uh, Leeds three, Chelsea nil. I do um, have- Oh, I do have some, I, ha- I have some American uh, American trivia thing. Ah, and uh, for you and, and obviously the listeners as well. There's uh, two trivia questions about this game uh, that I think uh, you would find interesting. So if you, if you don't mind, I'll throw those at you. Yeah, go for it. All right. This was uh, the first time three Americans played in a Premier League match since uh, November 30th of 2013. And to be kind, I'll give you the two teams playing. It was an Everton versus Stoke match. Can you name the three Americans that played in that match in 2013 between Everton and Stoke? Mm, uh, well, I'm guessing Tim Howard was still in goal for Everton. That is correct. Okay. Um, oh, fucking hell. Which American played for Stoke? Uh, uh, do you know what, Jared? I, I'm just going to go ahead and give up straight away because I don't want to embarrass myself too much. We have uh, Jeff Cameron. Who oh, okay, yeah. And the best answer, uh, Breck Shea. Oh, <laughs> my word. <laughs> that was that's a good one right there. And then, uh, the second and it one, wasn't just on the like on the roster, it was actually on no, the he, field. He, he actually got on the field, and it's funny because I'm pretty sure Breck Shea played maybe five matches for Stoke. So, yeah, yeah, okay, I was never, yeah, good. I was never gonna get that. Um, and then the second question is, is that Brendan Aronson is the fifth player born in New Jersey to score in the Premier League? How many of the other five can you name players that were born in New Jersey that have a Premier League goal? And you know we are both New Jersey kids, so this is a, a special point of pride. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so uh, I'll just throw out the New Jersey guys. I mean, Tab Ramos. Did not. Did not. Okay. Uh, did Alexi Lawless ever score in the Premier League? He did not either. Okay, okay. Um well, hold on. Is Tim Howard? Tim Howard's a New Jersey guy, right? Howard is one of the five. Has okay, he- right. Yeah, and he scored that rant, that windy goal. <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to go with – I'll double down on Howard. I got at least that one right in both questions. I'll leave it at that. All right, so then we have a, a John Harks and Claudio Reyna, which I think were kind of where you were, you were yeah. thinking. First thing, uh, Josie Altador had a Premier League goal uh, as well in his time with, I guess it was Hull. Okay, second, yeah. Actually, I didn't even know he was from New Jersey. That's my bad. Uh, really raised in Florida, but born in Livingston. And the uh, the sixth one actually is a not only a guy who only scored one goal in the Premier League, but is a kind of a uh, uh, you know a, a, a asterisk answer is Giuseppe Rossi. 
born. You know what? Fucking hell. I knew it. Like, for some reason, it was on the tip of my tongue. And I'm like, ah, no, you know what? I'm not going to say. Born. But yes, right, we all know he's obviously, you know, yeah. American bred New Jersey guy, but like played for Italy and blah, blah, and blah. scored one Premier League goal for Manchester United uh, before he kind of got hurt a bunch of times and all that. So uh, no other U.S. state has more than three players who have scored a goal in New Jersey. Six guys with a Premier League goal. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Okay, very good. Um, and, and let's uh, let's round out our. Uh, we only have one topic today, and, and pretty much one segment. So uh, let's round out the one and only topic that matters: America, uh, full America three, Brentford two. Uh, you know, Fulham uh, set off flying with a De Cordova read uh, goal in the first minute. They doubled through Jao Paulinha, um, only to let Brentford back in the second half. Uh, but then, of course, Jared, who else? but Alexander Mitrovic with the winner at the death. Full America 3, Brentford 2 for a little bit more American blood flow. Yeah, and I would I would recommend to Ivan Tony in the future probably not to do Mitrovic's goal celebration um, when you score because uh, that tends to get repaid in spades. Uh, yeah, like a really fun match, right? Uh, as you said, uh, you know, speaking of CONCACAF blood flow, Bobby, uh, Bobby Cordova-Reed mm. uh, at first minute with a goal. Um, and, and Fulham looked like lights out in the first half. But then Brentford gets that goal right before halftime. And those are always the big ones, right, that kind of just change that momentum. It gives the team losing a little bit of belief, puts a little doubt in the head. And, and Brentford was pretty good in the second half. Obviously, they got the goal from Tony. He had another one that was chopped off, I believe, for offside. That was, you know, that was really one of those, again, very close calls. Uh, but then, you know, that that big Serbian Mitrovic head. Mm. Uh, that 90th minute as, as a classic thing, obviously, uh, you know, like a lot of these stadiums in England, when you get that late goal, the, the pandemonium of the crowds, just an utter, you know, that guttural roar. And uh, it's, again, it's good for Fulham. And, um, you know, again, we have Fulham in three games have five points uh, that puts them, I guess, currently, you know, top half four points out of, uh, you know, out of, you know, safety right now. And obviously it's super early, but, you know, we talked about, there's a lot of teams in the Premier League this year that, that are relegation candidates. We've talked about them at length. And, you know, if you're these teams, if you are Southampton, if you're Everton, if you're Bournemouth and you see Fulham getting a lot of points early and you see Leeds getting a lot of points early, and you see Nottingham Forest be very frisky early. Mm. That's that's a scary thought because these are teams that, you know, especially Nottingham Forest, be a lot of people think are going straight back down. You know, Fulham keeps yo-yoing, so you got to think that they're a team that goes straight down. Obviously, Weeds, you know, maybe that's an anti-American sentiment, but it's a team that a lot of uh, people have thought might, you know, not survive this year after narrowly doing it last year. And these teams all not only are getting results, but they look good doing it. And, you know, Everton does not. And I, I know we'll talk a little bit more about them. And, you know, uh, Aston Villa has looked pretty shaky and Bournemouth has looked pretty shaky. And, you know, even a Leicester has looked pretty bad. And so, you know, it, these these kind of results, these points, uh, you know, you bank them early so you don't need to worry about them late. And I think that, you know, Fulham has to be very pleased with how they played. Uh, I think they have to be excited with getting a, you know, maybe stealing a couple points here against a team. Again, Brentford is probably not a relegation candidate, but certainly the kind of team that could end up down there, you know, kind of later in the season. And so uh, you take your, you, you steal your win late, you celebrate it and you move on to the next. Yeah, very good. Uh, and I think that's, that's how we're going to have to uh, wrap up that topic. Uh, let's just say bottom line is that the, uh, you know, 28 and a half percent of uh, all the European spots for the Premier League are, are now occupied by Americans. Uh, yeah, so look, the- you, look you, you know, and you have an Amer- you have an American captaining a Premier League team that for any amount of time is like a top seven team. And he's like not on the national team, like radar. And that is kind of a, a silly thing to think, uh, you know, even five years ago, you wouldn't even think hmm. of that possible 
Yeah, exactly. All right, America. Uh, did we say it? Uh, America. All right. Um, yeah, let's move on to the uh, to the segments, um, which will be pretty much uh, the rest of our domestic league roundup. Uh, we got a fun one, a couple of fun ones to end it as well. Um, but yeah, let's kind of lightning round the rest of the Prem, at least, because we have a lot more to get to, actually. Uh, but yeah, Spurs won, Wolves nil. Um, just another professional job done by Tottenham. Uh, Wolves, for fuck's sake, though, just like leaving Kane with acres of space, uh, on the, it was just that classic whipped in corner to the near post for the flick on all the Wolves defenders like bugs to a zapper go to that first ball in. And then there's the, quote, best striker in the world, uh, just all alone to head it home. Uh, but, yeah, you, you'd probably say Spurs deserve the three points here. Yeah, just about. I think it was a, a pretty even game. I think that if this game would have ended uh, nil-nil, I don't think either team really could have complained too much about it. But again, as you said, professional, right? And Spurs, this is, a, 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 I think, a classic Spurs result. It's like they look okay at times. They look not okay at other times. They have a couple chances here or there. Not a ton in this game. Uh, and then, But they get the set piece, and Harry Kane is in the right spot. And, you know, uh, Perisic, who, you know, I, I, I'm certainly not the first, nor I will be the last to say. Talk about, like, again, one of the all underrated signings yeah. in the Premier League this year. And, again, he's a guy that, you know, like, you want to talk about a motor. The guy could probably, like, run 180 minutes straight and never get tired. He, yeah. he's, I mean, for Croatia, he's always been like that. And, and Inter, he's been like that. Wherever he's played, he's always been like that. And, again, but another thing that uh, I think kind of goes unnoticed is that, you know, he's a kind of a tall, lanky guy. But he can get up there and he can get the perfect flick on header, for example. And so, you know, he has more to his game than just kind of that motor that we talk about. And, again, as you said, uh, the Wolves defenders kind of leaving uh, Harry Kane alone from four yards out is probably not what you would draw up um, in your game plan during the course of the week. But, again, uh, you know, we can make fun of Harry Kane for only having range from within, you know, three yards or whatever. But the bottom line is he always finds himself alone within three yards. And that's a skill. And and so, uh, you know, obviously he was patient. He knew exactly where to be. And, and you know, Spurs get another three points and they will love that, especially after, uh, you know, obviously the highs of last week. They didn't have that letdown this week and obviously find themselves now in that glut of teams uh, right near the top. Yeah, and, and and real quick, speaking of Perisic, I, I was really surprised by a lot of the criticism from all the pundits and the journos about uh, about Perisic, you know, as a signing. I, I was like, I think this is actually a really shrewd signing. Conte knows what he wants, you know, and, he, and he's really aggressive in, in getting it. And I think this, like, fit them perfectly, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think Conte obviously had him at Inter, so he knows him specifically well. I guess the only complaint you could have is that, you know, he's – He's a 33-year-old guy that you're ostensibly signing to play kind of like a wing back where you really have to get up and down the field. And you could you could argue, I suppose, that uh, that at, at a certain point, his the, the physical capabilities will not be there anymore. But, you know, that's to me, that's one of those things that, like, you know, cross that bridge when you get to it. In the meantime, he has still been, you know, last year for Inter, he's running up and down the sideline every, you know, every week and, and just again when he plays for Croatia he's up and down he's up and down he never comes out of a game he plays 90 minutes all the time he's he's just I, so and that's what I'm saying Let, let's let's stomp out this ageism bullshit because just like you know the saying is if he if you're good enough you're old enough you know for right. young players right I think also if you're you know if you're good enough you're young enough also and and that's you know they're creaming Cas Casemiro right now oh my god he's 30 years old it's like dude 30 years old first of all that's actually not that old and second of all he can still do his job so it's like who, who cares what the number is I don't know no, like it makes sense. And, and again, I, I think that the people that kind of came down the wrong side, you know, on that on that side of it will be proven wrong time and time again. And I think that this is obviously will not be the only time where we talk about him being, you know, a big key in a Tottenham win. So, you know, again, I, I think if you're a Spurs fan, uh, you love everything so far. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, well, so much for lightning round. <laughs> Let, let's go through the, the, a couple of these other results. Uh, uh, and one of the minor themes here, uh, Premier League team slash managers in, in trouble. Uh, Leicester won Saints two uh saints a, a club that a lot of people pegged to to go down uh they're, they're kind of out kicking their coverage a little bit right now uh but lester less of a surprise for me jared I, I don't know i pegged them before the season uh as as you know one of those clubs that was going to struggle uh, i wasn't necessarily you know pegging them for relegation um but it is coming to fruition it's almost as if you know uh losing your most consistent rock in goal in Gasper schmeichel and relying on well and i know i just went on a rant about ageism but i mean jamie vardy is almost ancient at this point uh you might think that that wasn't the best move uh but anyways um che adams with a flying scissor kick in the 84th minute to win it yeah obviously a great uh great winner there um yeah I, I, there was a lot of cracks in Leicester last year um a lot of games where they they gave up leads late uh, or, or where they you know i i, I think i'm pretty sure it was I, Leicester was playing tottenham last year and i think that was the game where tottenham scored two goals in stoppage time mm. uh, you know, whatever to, to win the game. And so, you know, there, these kind of cracks were happening. And, and if you look, you know, player by player, they still have a lot of good players on the team. Obviously, Madison's still great. And, and you know, Barnes is a, a good up-and-comer. And Taylor Mins is, is great. And Vardy still does a job. But it's just it's, – it's not enough right now. Obviously, they don't have Schmeichel to save him, as you alluded to. Yeah. And I think that this is going to be a team uh, – I also believe that they were going to just struggle as well. I, I, I saw it coming last year. And they had their little window where they almost made Champions League. They didn't. And I think that we're ha- we have to look at this being uh, a team that needs a, a pretty big overhaul if they want to kind of jump back into that top half. Yeah, I, I'm just like thinking back to when they hired Brennan Rogers and they put out that that PR video and, and it literally looked like he was being held hostage by like a terrorist group uh, and, and everyone kind of made fun of that. But he ended up coming really good for, for Leicester, although now I almost wonder if he if he does kind of feel stuck there. It, it, look, maybe the message has gone stale. Uh, maybe who, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, we'll keep our eye on, on that one, obviously. Uh, moving on, uh, another team and uh, manager who are in trouble. We've alluded to Frank Lampard struggling a bit before uh getting lucky here man uh everton won nottingham forest won uh they escape with a point after damari gray gets the equalizer in the 88th minute um but yeah i still think uh he and they are in big trouble yeah and the the only the two things you need to know about this game is everton you want to talk about route one football well jordan pickford got an assist on this goal uh (laughs) literally um and i think that the most telling thing about everton right now and, and maybe this means nothing scheme of things but if you're playing at home against nottingham forest again a newly promoted team who you expect to be a, a relegation candidate and you are losing and you score a goal in the 88th minute and your first instinct is to celebrate in the corner and not grab the ball out of the net and run back to center yeah. i think you are lost because that like you you can't be satisfied with squeaking the home draw against Nottingham Forest, and they seem satisfied by that. And I think that's a fucking problem. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a mentality thing right there. Um, and yeah, very indicative of, of where they are at right now. Um, and two others, Jared, I, I didn't, I mean, we might as well do the whole Premier League and then save our, uh, what was a fledgling uh, segment, but we actually do have something to talk about with Arsenal and, and Newcastle. So we'll save that for, for another segment. But uh, yeah, just props to uh, Patrick 
Patrick Vieira, Crystal Palace 3, uh, another club and manager who are in trouble. Um, <laughs> what, what was the old uh, the old saying about uh, Lampard and Gerrard? You could only have one in the England side. I wonder if they can only sack one uh, th- this year uh, or, or maybe both. I don't know. Yeah, I think but, it might uh, be, it's looking more towards both than, than only one, I, I would say. <laughs> at this point. Yeah, there, there's not enough room for, for either of them in the Premier League. I mean, Vieira just done wonders with that Crystal Palace side. So uh, good on By the way, that, that Zaha guy, pretty, pretty good. Uh, yes, yes, he is. And do you know what, Jared? It's hilarious. I had like, well, you know my stance on, on Zaha. I, I just like think he can be a petulant child at times. He just like complains about stuff that uh, and, and like lags behind the play and blah, 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 all that stuff. Uh, and also, I generally have a bias against you know, very individualistic players, but, but yeah, you know, he, he obviously is effective uh, at times. He, he's a very good player. Um, but here's the thing. I had like never heard him talk before. Uh, <laughs> and then I heard him talk in the post game interview. And I was like, it, it's like in, in well, speak, this is an American podcast and we're focused on Americans. Uh, but Abraham Lincoln, um, you know, everyone sees him as like this great figure, you know, he had the beard and he's portrayed, you know, in everything with, you know, a deep booming voice. He actually had a very high pitched, like nasally voice. And, um, and yeah, Zaha, same thing. I just expected him to just like have this like deep booming voice and be like really assertive. Uh, but yeah, he, he sounds like, no, he sounds sounds like, he's like 12. a little school boy. Yeah, it absolutely sounds like he's 12 years old still. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that was so good. Uh, but yes, good player, good team, great manager uh, who is not in trouble. Um, and then, yeah, the last of the theme of uh, Premier League teams and managers who are in trouble, uh, West Ham. Uh, yeah, again, I, blanked I'm... by Brighton. Yeah, Jared, you want to say a quick word on this? Just a, again, another shout for, for Graham Potter, great manager. Uh, they all just do their job. No one looks out of place. Uh, they know their role, and, and yeah, just a, a master class of, uh, against West Ham 2 no. It's really unbelievable. Uh, West Ham 0-3, uh, no goal scored. Uh, yeah. They did, I guess, beat when their first leg of their conference league qualifying last week uh, against Viborg or whatever. But, mm. I mean, they, they've played uh, Nottingham Forest and Brighton and have no points, have yeah. no goals. Uh, you know, even against Nottingham Forest, we talked about how how they at least outplayed them. Uh, this mm. is not the case against Brighton. In a home match against Brighton, you can't be outplayed uh, by them. I mean, again, I, again, that's not taking anything away from Brighton. But if you're West Ham and you were, you know, a top six team last year, and you're a, a, a your your team that wants to fight for Europe, you can't you can't be doing this. And look, I think Moyes is great, but and I don't know what exactly is going on right now. I, you know, I haven't watched any of their matches so deeply enough to, you know, I saw the city match, but you can't really, you know, spin anything out of that. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a little stunning. And uh, obviously it seems pretty to me that they still, they need to try and find a way to get another player or two in before the, uh, the transfer window shuts, because this, this ain't it. Yeah, to echo your question from last year, Jared, uh, is the Premier League good? Like, are these teams good? Are these managers good? I, I, I don't know. Again, it, it doesn't make sense. I, I, I just I don't understand why they've been so uh, weak. I mean, not even like the goals. Sometimes goals don't happen, but to not even have again against Forest, I know they had a lot of chances and they, they kind of got unlucky. But again, you're home against Brighton and you really don't get much going at all. And you mm. get Philly penalty and, and whatever. And it's just it, it's they don't look like the team that was there last year that played last year and was good last year. Yeah, hundred um, percent. All right, and yes, we will truly round out the Premier League in our how we feel about being Arsenal and Newcastle supporters today segment. Uh, after the rest of this domestic roundup, uh, let's move on to Spain, La Liga. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
the thing that stood out to me the most, Jared, about La Liga, uh, six total red cards. That's a lot of red cards uh, until League 1 later in the day was like six red cards. Yeah. Hold my beer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let, let's say a quick word about the Spanish Domestic League. Um, a pair of four to one results, uh, Real Madrid over Celta Vigo and Barca over Real Sociedad. We can say a few things about them. Uh, Madrid just doing Madrid things. I think everyone on that pretty dangerous front line uh, getting a goal. Benzema slotting a penalty to kick things off. Um, and and I, I'm terrified of Vinicius. Uh, even Valverde fits in really nicely there, obviously. Uh, and then with, with Barcelona, uh, they, you know, they, <laughs> Lewandowski, they did end up getting him registered. Didn't score at, right last week, um, but he does open his account for, for Barca in the very first minute. Um, bags a second one as well Sociedad equalized soon thereafter but then it was all Barcelona from there but yeah two four to one victories for the top two yeah and about two things about each game first of all for Madrid uh, Luka Modric still a cheat code uh, his goal absolutely yeah. just uh, stunning I mean again he's he seems ageless to me uh, obviously maybe doesn't go 90 minutes anymore but obviously his his ability I mean he might be the best player in the world at just at, at ball control in terms of just putting the ball exactly where you want like the old can hit the dime from 30 yards. I think Modric is probably the best in the world at that. Uh, and not with any type of pass, too. I yeah, mean, oh, he, like, he wants outside to... of the boot, no look, like whatever, mid-range, long range, it doesn't matter. Not all great for Madrid, up uh, big late. Uh, they get a penalty kick. Uh, Benzema to try and instill a little bit of confidence in Eden Hazard. Obviously, we all know his trials and tribulations there. Gives him a penalty. Hazard does not make the penalty. He misses mm. the penalty. So not all great for Madrid, but obviously a three-goal win against Celta is, is always good. Uh, in terms of Barcelona, you said it. Well, with his brace. But uh, Ansu Fati, the difference maker today, uh, or I guess yesterday at this point, uh, but he came in, changed the game, obviously, uh, you know, how I believe got on the score sheet, but just in general, was just a pest all over the place. And it's, you know, there's always that irony that for all the guys that you sign uh, and all these new players, you still bring a guy like Fati off the bench who's been there the entire time. And he's the one who really, uh, you know, really engineers uh, the big second half for Barcelona and, and the game, you know, they end up winning 4-1, but it wasn't quite that comfortable. Uh, the three goals all came in the last, you know, 25 minutes. And a big part of that was Fati coming in and really changing the game. So, you know, again, that irony that despite uh, <laughs> despite all the new signings, it still comes down to some of the old guards still winning games. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and all is well, obviously, uh, in, in Barcelona. Uh, everything is peachy. Yeah, Jules uh, Conde is having a blast not being registered yet. But yeah. It's, it's say a quick word about that, right? Because uh, is is it just him, or is it him and like one other? Player? I think well, it's just him for now. But they're, again, they're still trying to sign like five more guys. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Um, and then uh, the last thing we'll say, and I'll leave it open to you, Jared. Uh, La Liga uh, results: uh, Villarreal two, Atletico Madrid nil. Um, and I believe uh, right, they suffered a uh, a red card in that one as well. So uh, although, of course, it's you know just one of those like stoppage time ones that doesn't really uh, matter or wait. Or does it? Gerard Moreno uh, scoring the second with, uh, in the seventh minute of stoppage time. Yeah, um, and this is, I think, again, I'm going to say this for the second time and not the last time. Again, we talk about statements of intent. This is Villarreal trying to break up uh, the, 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 the three at the top. And, you know, I think Sevilla's taken a step back. Valencia hasn't been what they are. Uh, you know, Betis is still pretty good, but Villarreal is a team that is definitely going to compete for fourth, uh, if not third. And so to get a big road win, uh, early on in the season, they've won two out of two, obviously, you know, can't do better than that offhand. Moreno gets the goal uh, and, and they break down and they, in many ways, outplay 
uh, Atletico away. And, you know, they, they outshot them. Uh, you know, possession was pretty split. But, again, they were dangerous. They still defended well. Um, you know, really made a couple really big saves to keep them in the game. Uh, they get the goal by Pino. Uh, as you said, Moreno kind of equalized you know, or uh, puts it away at the end. Uh, and uh, and it's a great day for them. Uh, less so for Atletico. Uh, not only do you have the home loss, then you have defender Mario Hermoso trying to fight his own fans after the final whistle. Uh, and and we know this happens to Atletico like four or five times a season, where like we have these kind of like you know somebody tries to fight someone, or or you know uh, the manager is fighting with everybody, or you know whatever. But uh, to have it second game of the season is even early by Atletico standards, I would say. Yeah, no kidding. All right, uh, anything else real quick about La Liga, Jared? No, let's leave it that there. All right, very good, very good. Uh, moving on to the Italian Domestic League. Uh, as always, Jared, I will lean on you for this, and of course your wheelhouse, the Bundesliga. Um, but yeah, in Serie A, um, Inter cruising uh, 3-0 over Spezia, uh, but Milan dropping points, you might say, against Atalanta, 1-1 there. Uh, and then, you know, Naples absolutely cruising against um, not just newly promoted, but uh, kind of pegged to do some big things not just your usual up and then back down or, or just faffling about in the relegation scrap uh ac monza four nil naples on that one those look like the big results i think yeah so inter of course very comfortable right spezia not even a shot on target i think that's the, i think if you ask inter i mean they're perfect right you win two or three nothing you get goals from your big guys and you don't give up a shot on target that's you know uh, obviously what they would love uh as you said milan claws one back against atalanta again atalanta's losing some pieces but still very dangerous uh the benacer equalizer is one of those just very aesthetically pleasing goals uh, the little curler that just digs like you know far posts touches the posts and nestles right in the net uh you know just uh, just it's like it's soccer porn uh, when you think about it. Uh, and as you said, Napoli for nothing, Kavicha with the brace, the Georgian. Uh, but you got to say, who's really more hateable right now in Syria? Is it Monza with the Berlusconi money? Or are we still going to go with the old Lazio fascists? And, and obviously Monza tipped to finish uh, decently well because of Berlusconi's money. I think they spent like a hundred and something million euros. Uh, mm. But I will be rooting against them pretty hard all season. Yeah, uh, my only comment on that is that I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jared. The only soccer porn that, that I watch is with uh, Tyler Adams, BBC in it. Uh, and that's the only one that matters to me. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, I'm sure we're, we're missing. There's a few more Serie A games to come today. Um, I'm, we're surely missing out on a Mourinho implosion and Juve dropping points against a vastly inferior opponent. Today, By so. the way, there is, there is one more thing from Italy. I do want to casually mention this. This could be even be like an early stoppage time winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Venezia, who obviously was in Serie A last year, got relegated, has one of the better uh, social media games out there. Yeah. Um, uh, we've seen that a few times in, like last year, but they have a, I think they might have done themselves uh they've been complaining pretty much since before the season started that Serie b and their tv contract has this weird rule that teams are not allowed to show highlights of their matches for eight days after a match happens right yeah they very reasonably said well wait a minute like once we can show highlights um we've already played another match or two. yeah <laughs> and so uh they've actually started a new twitter account i believe either just yesterday or this morning uh called venezia classics and what they do is after the eight day window they say they go back in time um, and they show the highlights from eight days previously, but they're doing it in black and white. And then they're like, they're putting in like random trivia questions about the players who score being like, oh, you know, so-and-so got the first goal that day. Uh, trivia question, where is he plying his trade these days in Italian football? <laughs> they're really just very much leaning into the uh, absurdity and they're, and they're having a, a good laugh at, at probably Serie B's expense. So if you're in a kind of cheeky uh, Twitter spaces for football teams, Venezia Classics would be one that you'll probably get a kick out of uh, as we go through the season. 
Ah, oh, dude, that that's so great. Uh, and, and good on them for being good sports, too, because like if I remember correctly, I, I think they were relegated on the last day. Right. I think they played my solar Natana to, to go down and, you know, they could be, you know, salty. Uh, but but yeah, I guess they're just having fun with it. What What, what is this rationale behind the eight days? thing? I, I, I have not actually seen a rationale for that. Like uh, it, it doesn't I, make sense at all on any level. For some reason, I guess it's just in the contract. Maybe the the TV network wants to have the singular ability to distribute highlights for a week. I don't I don't really know, um, but uh, obviously it seems like. And when they made the first crack about it, you think okay, they got it out of their system. But no, they seem to really want to lean into this all season long. So obviously we'll be rooting for them. They got to come from behind victory over the weekend as well. Um, and I believe if I if I recall correctly, American Jack DeVry was actually involved in the game winner there. And they play like they have like a ton of Americans. Uh, Busio's still there, Busio, right? Still there. Andre Novakovic is now there. DeVry is there. So if you're looking for your Syria B American mega boner, uh, Venezia is your, is your club of choice. Okay. Uh, Leeds Jr., I guess, in, in Serie B there. Very nice. Um, okay. Uh, moving on to the Bundesliga. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know Byron's got it wrapped up. 7-0 uh, against Bochum. Uh, I don't know if there's anything to, to say about that, Jared, but I'm sure you have plenty to say about the Dortmund game. Yeah, I, the only thing I will say about Bayern is is that again, you know, for all the uh, for all the talk about losing Lewandowski and losing the goals, I don't think they're going to lose the goals. I just think they're going to have them distributed far more evenly between Sané and Mane and Coman and Gnabry and mm. this guy and that guy. Musiala didn't even like barely played it. I'm not even talking about Mueller and so on and so forth. And and I I get the feeling Bayern Munich might be okay. Uh, yes, I have that same inkling as well. Uh, Dortmund, on the other hand, though, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, in, in your famous words, what you doing, Dortmund? Uh, Dortmund two, Werder Bremen three. Of course, that was the uh, the final score. Um, the score before heading into stoppage time was two to one, Dortmund. Yeah, and the score going into the 88th minute was two nothing Dortmund. This yeah. a, a, I mean, this is one of those games where it's like literally it was you know they're they're up two nothing at home against a, a newly promoted team. Um, they they didn't play great even before that. I mean, they they were fine. They weren't fantastic. Uh, but it's one of the things where it's like okay, like you know you you go quickly run out to the fridge or you you go cr- make lunch real quick or you jump in the shower real quick and then like five minutes later, not only have they they blown it but they've actually lost. I I think I remember seeing that. I mean, this is truly an unprecedented comeback in Bundesliga history. I don't think any team has ever been down, you know, like two nothing in the 89th minute and flat one, uh, won a game and and. I mean, I could really, I, I, I could go off for probably 15 or 20 minutes, honestly, uh, about this. I won't, uh, just because it, it, it wouldn't be new. Uh, it wouldn't be new information. Yeah. It wouldn't be new material. Uh, you can probably go find about a half a dozen podcasts we did in, in, in February and, and December and whatever, like where I kind of said the same thing. But, uh, you know, for two weeks, I kind of maybe half believed that this team was a little bit different than the one last year. And uh, nope. No, they're yeah. So, so that's what I was going to say. We, we don't have to go back to the February podcast. I wanted to go back to just, you know, a few weeks ago when you were like, oh, and, you know, Dortmund's finally short up the defense. Like, I know it's, you know, a meme, like Hummel's still on the back line, da-da-da-da, but like they're actually defending now and not conceding as much as they used to. And then this happens. Yeah. I mean, again, like, I don't know what to say. Again, I don't know what to say about it. Uh, uh, you know, Schwaderbeck, who was one of the best defenders in the league last year at Freiburg, is in the team now. You know, Hummel started the match. They took him off after 60 and put Sula in. Like, these are better center backs than they've had. Uh, but it's it's still not good enough. And and uh, the only good thing I can say about this game from a Dortmund perspective is that Giovanni Reina played about 30 minutes and 
was looked a little hesitant at times, but actually looked very good on the ball still. Was very good with, you know, had a lot of good ideas, had a couple near assists and, and, and things like that. And so I will try and hold on to that as being the, uh, the only good thing because uh, the title race in Germany is now officially over. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. But yeah, the, I like how you added in that American blood flow right there. Uh, Gio Reyna, golly, do we need him back uh, for sure. And and how about a quick word, uh, Jared, on uh, Ere B Leipzig 1, uh, Union Berlin 2, and anything else in the Bundesliga? Well, obviously, if we're going to talk about some American blood flow, let's talk about Union Berlin 2, Leipzig 1, because mm. first goal scorer, none other than Jordan Pifak, which actually a very very clever little finish kind of got played in was kind of alone, but then the defense was creeping up goalie coming out and he just kind of very quickly kind of flicked it under the goalie. Uh, And then he, uh, I believe he also was involved in the second goal as well. Um, So again, he's obviously just moved to the Bundesliga. I actually got, he got credit with the assist on the second goal. So he comes in goal and assist against Leipzig. Uh, So again, uh, a good American blood flow there. Uh, The problem again, uh, as I just said about the title race is not just that Dortmund obviously blew this game. It is that Leipzig through two, three matches only has a couple of points for their end and uh, the other big story is Bayer Leverkusen who is the West Ham of Germany right now right a European team that is favored to win or favored to be a you know certainly a, a European spot a Champions League spot they are also zero wins and three losses including two losses I believe at home already this season they get shellacked three nothing at home by Hoff, uh, Hoffenheim uh, and they are currently sitting in 17th place uh, and again a team that if you look around, it has talent, right? Take your Tapsobas and Asmund and Amiri and, uh, you know, uh, Patrick Schick, of course, still. Uh, Diaby, who was great for Leverkusen last year, and, and just nothing so far. Yeah, um, and there you have it for the Bundesliga. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up the Domestic League Roundup. Uh, of course, talking about League 1, if only Dr. Rodero. Uh, we're here to see this. Uh, like we said, Liga said, hold my beer. And uh, not only topped La Liga's six red cards for the weekend, um, but by my count, Jared, and again, I, I was a history teacher, not a math teacher. This looks like a total of nine red cards on the weekend. Is that right? I actually, I heard somewhere it might have been 11. Uh, so I, either way, an, an utter truckload. Of, Hold on. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking at I'm going back into Forza. I just looked at Sunday. So it was it was actually nine uh, just on the Sunday. So Monica with the red on Saturday, Marseille with the red on Saturday as well. And then nine more uh, favorite angers with a red card. Nice with two, uh, allowing Claremont foot to get three points in that one. Uh, 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 Stad Ren uh, Ren with uh, two red cards in that one. And Jared, how about just the, the cherry on top here? The coup de gras uh, in the game between Montpellier and Auger. Not one, not two, not three, but four total red cards ending the game 9v9. Yeah, anytime you can end a game 99, it's fantastic. <laughs> Four teams ending a match day with nine men is I, I I can't ever remember seeing that at any level, right? Like I don't even think like the Nigerian Premier League has seen such uh, utter contempt for staying on the field, uh, and we know that they do some some crazy ass shit down there. I, I don't know, I don't know what was in the like, we talked about French water actually. Usually that's fan violence, but for some reason, um, like just just. I guess week one, uh, we woke up this weekend and just literally chose violence. Yeah, and and, and they're in midseason form because yes, one of the running themes with Liga with uh, Doctor Rodero was was just what is in the water, man. The, these red cards are crazy. Uh, but yeah, now we just need to add a pitch invasion to it, and, and we'll be good to go. Um, but one, yeah, one thing that is uh, pretty much always consistent with League uh, uh, PSG rolling their dominance uh, seven to one over Lille. Uh, I mean, they started scoring from the kickoff and pretty much never. Stopped. 
Yeah, it was good of Will to hold out a whopping eight seconds before giving up the ball on this one. Uh, yeah, just utterly embarrassing. Uh, and uh, this is actually feeds into the theme because even though, uh, you know, Will actually did not receive a red card, they just played for 90 minutes like they had nine men. Uh, <laughs> they actually did that as well. Uh, Mbappe, hat trick, Messi, goal, Neymar, a couple goals, everyone with assists, Hakimi, a goal. Uh, and I guess if you're going to spend an entire week having to hear about how you guys are breaking apart at the seams, I guess the only way you really can uh, try and you know, kind of, kind of turn that heater down is to go on the road against a, again, a team that is a, you know, a, a, a team looking to finish top five, four, top six, and just utterly uh, demolishing them up, down, and sideways. Um, but uh, yeah, utter embarrassment. Uh, it was like four nothing at halftime. Uh, usually a scoreline only reserved for Manchester United, um, and uh, they had three more in the second half. Bamba gets one back for Will, but obviously uh, that is removing a shot glass of water from the deck of the Titanic. Mm, yeah, exactly. Uh, and we almost made it the whole pod without mentioning that club's name, uh, who may or may not play at three o'clock today. Uh, but but yeah, and, and to be clear, the, the Mbappe scoring in the first couple of seconds, uh, I don't know, this was like... Like especially bad, uh, I think on on uh, what's their names parts Be- because it was yeah sure it was like off the kickoff or whatever but it wasn't like two or three passes out wide and then like you know a crossing and a finish you know catching them unawares I mean it was just a back pass off the kickoff ball lumped up over the back line Mbappe touch slot finish it's like you know they started playing the game uh you know 10 seconds in bizarrely bizarrely enough uh and again I'm this is a complete speculation on my part but the way Will's defensive line like try to run forward as if to like pull an offside trap I, I'd love to know if if that's something that Will has done before and PSG saw it and maybe like literally planned that thing to try and, and just beat it and like what's the worst case you called offside eight seconds of the game nobody cares but it looked like the left back just didn't get the fucking memo and yeah. center backs and the right back all fucking run forward and Mbappe runs straight through the middle and he's kept onside and then he's a breakaway and you know the, I mean the goalie's uh, reaction to that just really spoke uh, two tomes about what he felt because it wasn't anger. It was just like, he just stared at them. Like just yeah. dispassionately, like, are you disbelief? Like literally. Yeah. And it's just yeah. and everything, but it, it looked to me like Will was trying to catch him in a trap for some reason. I don't know why you're trying an offside trap eight seconds in the match, but it, it almost looked like that's something that Will has tried and PSG just beat it because it, it was scripted clearly. And it worked so perfectly. You just have to imagine they knew it was coming. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, and that will do it for our domestic league roundup. Uh, and and what a a weekend of action! So much stuff to to round up there. Um, let, let's finish it here, Jared, with our second segment: uh, how we feel about being Arsenal and Newcastle supporters today. Uh, and again, you know, this one was sort of fading. Uh, there's not much to say about being a Newcastle supporter. You know, Arsenal are running away with the league at this point. So you know, th- th- what is there to say? Um, uh, but I think there was something, uh, especially in your game, Jared. Uh, Newcastle three, Manchester City three. Uh, at, Probably the game of the season, to be quite honest with you. Uh, yeah, very good. Um, and I'm going to say it a third time. Um, statements of intent. Um, Newcastle came out and look, I, we, we can, and this isn't even a fan perspective. We can talk all we want about uh, all the, you know, the, the, the ownership and everything else. But they came in a game against, Nuke, uh, against City and they decided that they were going to play. 
and they were going to go at City, and they were going to try and make it difficult for City. And they gave a goal in five minutes. And you could have forgiven them if Eddie Howe said, no, nah, we're good. All right, wait, 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 we're, that obviously is not going to work. But they made City look about as troubled as just about any team has made City look in the last couple of years. Even when City yeah. loses a match, they usually don't look this troubled. Uh, they don't look this, uh, sc- uh, not scared, but just taken aback by what had gone on. And I think that this was Newcastle's coming out party in terms of saying, look, we're, we have more talent than we used to, and we're going to play like it. And we're going to play good teams in this league. We're going to play the cities. We're going to play the Liverpools. We're going to play the Arsenals or the Chelsea's. And we're going to play with them. And we're not going to win all the games. And maybe, you know, they blew a lead that maybe they wish they kind of kept. But I think that this was their coming out party to say, look, we want to be a top six team. We want to be a top four team. It starts today. And I think they played that way. And it'll be very interesting to see if that assessment is correct. And this is really how they play or whether it was just a throw caution in the wind because you're playing City one-off. But I do believe that they played it like a team that expects to keep playing this way in the future. Yeah, and look, and it was what Marsh said, uh, you know, against Chelsea yesterday. He, he was like, you can't play. Uh, you have to play with no fear against these teams. And quite frankly, yes, they are world-class, made up of world-class players, but you can make world-class players look really good by sitting back and letting them have time on the ball, or you can make them look a little less world-class. No one's saying you're going to be completely better than them. No one's going to say that that you completely stultify them, uh, but you can make them look a little less world-class uh, by doing X, Y, and Z. And, and that's what they did. And I, I thought Newcastle had that intention as well. Yeah, and, and and I think that and I think it comes to the fact that even when you get the lead, obviously City comes back, but City comes back doing like insane City things that only City can do, right? I mean, there, it, it's uh, throughout the game, Holland again looks as dangerous as anything, and De Bruyne is doing his stuff and everything else, and so I think in many ways they took City's best punch. And uh, Newcastle, I, I feel like in the last couple of years, have been a couple of games with City where they've gotten a lead or, or they played them close. But like in that last 20 minutes, they end up getting kind of blown off the park. And it looked for a second, right? Like City, they scored those two goals and you thought, OK, City's definitely about to just turn it on and it's, they're going to win, you know, 5-3 or whatever. Yeah. It'll be cool. And but but, you know, Newcastle held it together enough to get the point. And I, again, I think that that's the improvement that you're seeing. Um, you know, again, uh, you're looking at, you know, really a Leeds United fan at this point, not a Newcastle fan, but, uh, but we, I think you can look at it objectively and say uh, this, if you're a Newcastle fan, this is exactly what you want from them moving forward. Okay. So feeling a little less apathetic these days about it, Jared. I mean, I'm apathetic. Well, I, I, <laughs> Uh, you know what? I would say a little bit apathetic because if for nothing else, I guess if there's one team in the Premier League other than, uh, I guess, well, I guess if there's two teams in the Premier League, I, uh, you know, I will root for Newcastle more against. It is Man City because if I'm going to root for, you know, uh, like a dictatorial like regime as a, a nation state r- running a club, I'll rather be my club than theirs. Uh, and then, of course, Manchester United for obvious reasons. So, I mean, I guess I'm feeling a little less apathetic because, you know, I don't really obviously want to see City win per se but um yeah i mean i wasn't like overjoyed watching it when they were playing well i just thought oh wow they're fucking playing well like this is like this is cool like but it was more objective and and like analysis driven than emotionally driven yeah no very good very good and at least in a vacuum you can be super pumped uh especially for like a guy like miguel almiron right that you know former mls player uh and and on the schneid pretty much uh for for most of last season not really scoring goals uh i believe the story came out that you know i didn't even uh, realize this but at the end of last season like jack Grealish like just totally threw him under the bus uh and then he scores today and he goes over to to uh one of the newcastle fans uh, who had a poster that said uh, uh miggy can you give jack Grealish your 
your shirt after the game, who, by the way, wasn't even on the pitch for City. Yeah, no, I mean, good. Look, it, it's and again, I think that when you're when the system starts working a little bit, even the guys who are struggling start having a lot of fun. And again, that's what that's again, it pretends to very good things. Obviously, whenever an MOS guy can can have a little success, uh, always, always loving that. Yes, sir. Uh, and actually, you know, I feel like making two more points about this game because I did obviously watch it and it was it just really was such a fantastic game. Uh, Callum Wilson with the second one. I mean, just what a touch to split the two center backs and then, you know, slot with the outside of the foot uh, in, into the side netting. And, and Jared, come on, you got to say a word about Kieran Trippier's free kick, man. Uh, I, I believe that is the textbook definition of a postage stamp. Yeah. I mean, like. It's amazing because I thought Ederson actually saw it pretty well and got a pretty good jump and was still nowhere close. And I think that's all you like. I mean, that's the the definition of exquisite when, you know, it's again, you see some free kicks where the goalie catches it late. Not this did not appear to be one of them. Just absolutely immaculate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually did you think that because uh, I thought I saw Ederson kind of like cheat towards the over the wall side of the goal. And then that momentum kind of threw him off. Not saying that he could have saved it. And this is one of those where you always say, like, you know, no keeper in the world saves that. And quite frankly, I think Ederson's the best keeper in the world. So if you beat him, you're beating everyone. Uh, but but yeah, I did think he took like half a step cheating. I guess I would say I guess I was more separating between the before the ball is kicked and after kind of deal. Like I, mm. I think he did cheat a little bit before the run up, but I think he he saw it clean off the foot. I guess is how I would say that. Though. Right, right, okay, I got you. Uh, but yeah, just bottom line, a fantastic game of football, uh, and you would expect nothing less from two clubs owned by uh, oil magnate uh, nation states. Um, all right, <laughs> uh, and the second half, of course, of our newly renewed uh, how we feel about being supporters today segment uh, about being. Arsenal, all I have to say is that's gonna get oh, Jared, hold it, just strap in, buddy. I'll be doing this for the next 35 minutes. Saliba, this actually is worse. It's actually worse than when you play Taylor Swift every five seconds. Oh, dude, it was so good. I mean, and the best part was, is they're doing it for like 20 minutes before he even, you know, uh, in in the first half before halftime. So it's not like he had scored his goal and he scores, obviously, in the second half. um, But they're doing it for 20 minutes in in the first half. And he's loving it. You can see a little wry smile. And then boom, slots with his left foot. I mean, it was like such a cheeky goal, dude, the way he almost just kind of like scooped it up with his weaker foot, by the way, uh, and just up and over the keeper and, and, and scores. And then of course, yep. The Saliba song goes on for the next half hour. dude. Yeah. I'm watching, I'm watching their home matches on mute for the rest of the season. Like, and I like the song, don't get me wrong, but I got, yeah, I, I don't need to hear that like for 70 minutes a match, but well, no, see, Jared, that's the thing is you don't need to watch the home matches because the Emirates is truly silent, uh, for the home matches. It's just the actual passionate, uh, travel. Uh, fair enough make all the noise so you don't have to worry about that uh and then of course that on top of uh odegaard's too uh his brace within the first 11 minutes yeah i mean we're flying like i i, I know bournemouth uh you know not the toughest of opponents i, I still kind of peg them to go down uh but yeah just flying right now and and we and this isn't even jared first you know uh, first week of the or before the first week of the season just because alphabetically we're in first place uh it's not you know just the first game uh and, and we've got the three points and no one else has played yet first place i mean this is actual three weeks into the season uh, with everyone having played except for, you know, he who shall not be named later today. Uh, And Liverpool's obviously only on four points. So yeah, we're actually in first place. So I'm feeling pretty good. 
And I think, uh, and I think that what's dangerous about Arsenal this year, obviously they, they played well and, and don't get me wrong. And, and despite the, the opposition, but what's really good for them is that, it, you know, really until the beginning of October, I don't think they have a mega hard game on the schedule. I mean, they play United in there, but if you really want to call that mega hard, but they play Spurs in that first week of October, but there is every chance that they could, you know, be, you know, after seven, eight games or, you know, let's say after eight matches, be at like 22 points. And no, I know really- leading up to the Spurs game on October 1st, we're talking Fulham, Aston Villa, United, Everton and Brentford. Right. So there's a real chance to put so many good results together that when, when, when you get that level of momentum, when you get mm. that many matches in a row, when you do that many things well, you can really see some things, you know, it, it, I mean, snowball in a good way, right? You really just get mm-hmm. that, that rock rolling downhill. And then you come into that game with Spurs with just so much confidence. And now, you know, if you can beat them, now you're off to the races. And so uh, I've been uh, somewhat, I've been 50-50 on whether I think that they're a top four team. But I think that this string of results, that if they can pull it off, would could put them in that top four for the season. Even if I don't think that they might be one of the four best teams, if for no other reason than you get that much momentum and then you just start winning games and the and the positivity takes over and and, and you're you see the exact opposite of what we've kind of seen from them the last few years where they drop points in so many games where they shouldn't. Right. Yeah. Where then you move into getting points in games that maybe you didn't expect to. Like this Bournemouth game was one of those games where like we just randomly struggled and it was like a one-one draw, you know, away from home type of thing when when we should be getting the three. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I'm I'm a little obviously the homer bias coming through. I'm I'm upwards of like 80, 90 percent on the top four. Um, yeah, but, but, you know, 50, 50 on uh, whether we can actually compete with like the cities in Liverpool. Well, I think it's, I think the, the, I mean, for me, it's probably closer to about 70 right now. And, and that's as much, I think, because of Chelsea's inadequacy at the minute, yeah. uh, and Arsenal being great. I mean, obviously you have to do both at the same time, but I, I, I think that if you kind of say right now that the top four in some order is going to be, you know, city, Liverpool, sports, Spurs, and Arsenal, I think it's really hard to argue against I mean, you can say, oh, I think Chelsea will get it instead. And yeah, it's a legitimate argument, certainly. But I think it's really hard to give a reason why those four teams are not top four quality, certainly, uh, you know, through a month of the season. Yeah, there you have it. And that's how Jared and I feel about being Arsenal and Newcastle supporters today. Um, yeah, let's round out the segments here with a couple of fun ones. Uh, Cunty haircut of the week makes its triumphant return. Uh, Jared, as your gracious podcast host, I'll allow you to go first. Antoine Griezmann. Uh, And we know that he is in his past had a variety of uh, different haircuts, some uh, obviously far better than others. Uh, But uh, this past weekend, he now has um, what kind of a he he did the bleach blonde and then did a a green uh, overlay on the top. Uh, the side's still looking mostly blonde. And then behind his left ear uh, dyed in, there is a pink heart. Um, And (laughs) like, like, I'm sure the pink heart's probably for like, you know, like somebody in his family or like whatever. Then like, I'm sure there's like, like an actual reason that. Yeah. But just, I mean, just as if you look at the fucking picture, it is, I think what we would talk about the, the quintessential definition of why this was created. Uh, And it's just, it's, it's. uh, 
Try, try, try less. Griezmann. The son, the son, literally uh, refers to him as looking like the Joker. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. And, and yeah, and by the way, I am always so uh, hesitant to to rip on on some of those like random things. Like remember, uh, you know, Ronaldo Fenomeno uh, had that weird ass haircut in like '94, and then we come to find out that it was you know actually for a really good reason. I'm watching All or Nothing right now. Aubameyang, you know, putting like a star in his hair, and as much as you rip on him, you find out it's because you know he played really well in this one game when his dad came to see him and now he does that you know every time he plays against spurs because it's a memory of his dad and stuff so yeah we have to be hesitant on that but but yeah still it looks fucking terrible it it is uh it is an utterly and again we've talked about uh, if you're gonna have that kind of haircut like you better be good well he's not even starting for them right now because uh you know uh morata's starting instead so you know like if you're gonna go with that mode you you better start scoring some goals Dude, it's, it's like the boots. Like, if you're going to wear, like, the pure white boots, like, in, you know, embro- uh, embroidered with your initials and, you know, with a flashy little thing on it, like, you better be good. If you don't, you just look like a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. No, I was going to say, pretty much. I mean, pretty much yeah. that. So he better, he better either start scoring soon or get yeah. ass back to the salon and, and fix that shit. Yeah, um, mine's going to be a little bit of a, a a delayed reaction here, just uh, because I want to keep you know piling on Thomas Tuchel. I've just totally had it with this guy. What a fucking turd! Um, but yeah, just blast him for his comments on uh, Conte's hair last week. Obviously, the big dust up between uh, him and Antonio Conte, the Chelsea um, uh, Spurs game last week. Uh, something about like, oh, I was just going over there to see if he wears a wig or not. You know, when we all know, thank you very much. Conte has had you know the the hair surgery, just like myself and. Klopp, thank you very much. All right. So don't come at my guy. All right. We're a very tight knit club. Um, and, and especially, you know, you, you want to talk about a guy throwing rocks in a, in glass houses or, or, you know, pot calling the kettle black or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but when the guy basically has, you know, like a Homer Simpson style, three hairs just combed over the top of his head. Uh, you might as well just go ahead and uh, shut the fuck up, Thomas Tuchel. All right. Cunty haircut of the week. That's for me. Sounds good. All right. Very good. Uh, and yeah, let's, <laughs> that was great. Uh, let's go ahead and round it out with, uh, yes, the tried and true own goal of the day. Um, I'll go ahead and go first, uh, Jared, just to go back to the Newcastle Manchester city game. Uh, my own goal of the day goes to what was it? Fabian share. Uh, can we confirm this or not? I cannot confirm. I think it is share as well. Uh, that's, that's what I, I believe to be right. But yeah, I, I, I didn't want to deep dive too much, uh, and go back and play through all the replays and, uh, you know, CSI dissect, uh, the, the, the tape. Uh, but basically if you, if you go towards the end of the game, when, when, uh, Dan Byrne gets subbed, uh, substituted for Newcastle, um, you, you, it was off screen. You didn't see it in the run of play or whatever, uh, because it actually happens outside of the run of play. Um, and so you're like, what the hell, what happened to Dan Byrne? I can't tell. Why is he being subbed off right now? Well, it turns out, and yeah, it looks like it was Fabian Scher, um, blasted the ball at, by the way after the whistle had blown right and into his own teammate Fabian Cher blasts the ball in frustration it hits Dan Byrne right in the side of the face I mean to the point where it's like it's one of those uh you know if he had been aware like maybe he could have braced himself but he had no fucking idea it was coming I mean just like knocks him not out old or whatever but that dude is woozy as fuck he's down on the ground and by the way this is like six foot you know six foot six tough as nails dan burn uh for you know brighton fame um and yeah he eventually has to have the physios come out and, and gets carted off and subbed off 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think at that moment, uh, I, I, it seemed to me almost like, you know, Shar obviously didn't like the, the call. And it almost looked like he was almost trying to get a yellow card for, like, time-wasting almost, right? This is like mm. a game. Uh, they're hot, trying to hold on to the draw. He's ready to just put the ball, you know, into the next week or whatever. Um, but uh, ends up not time-wasting because, as you said, he hits uh, Byrne, who, uh, I mean, literally, uh, like, goes down like Kennedy. Uh, in 1963, just an utter collapse of like every bone in his body, just like collapsing in that moment. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that if the guy's not hurt, it's hilarious. But as you said, once he gets subbed off, you kind of go, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, what? Yeah, he actually got hurt. Like, Look, you know, luckily, he didn't, uh, he, you know, luckily he didn't break his neck, uh, as Sir Alex Ferguson taught us. Do you remember that one when uh, Van Persie was on the ground and, and someone just like kicked the ball? It was like, it was literally right as the whistle was being blown. It was in the run of play and it gets kicked into Van Persie's head and Sir Alex goes off on this thing. But, oh, you could have broken his neck. <laughs> yeah. Cunt. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. So that'll do it for my own goal of the day, Jared. What is your own goal? Of the day? Yeah, mine's a, a little bit more uh, serious. I, I know we usually do the opposite, but uh, you know, mm. Chelsea had to uh, indefinitely ban a season ticket holder uh, for racist abuse of young men's son. Uh, again, kudos to Chelsea, no doubt. But again, you know, we obviously had a, a lot of these last season, and, and they, they they don't stop. Uh, but again, some anti-Asian rhetoric, I suppose, in this one. Uh, but at least they were able to find the guy and boo out. But the own goal goes to the fan who, uh, again, just feels the need to be an absolute asshole. And, and uh, just it, it just is so fucking frustrating to, to have to deal with this over and over again. Yes, uh, a big fuck you to that guy. Can we can we say it loud enough and, and hard enough? Fuck you for that. Yeah, just just fuck off. Yeah, just just go ahead and fuck off. All right. Well, uh, as we always do, um, yes, Jared, of course, has the the greatest podcast in the history of the the soccer world. Uh, you know, we have to report on everything, but uh, we always do like to end on a positive note. So let's wrap things up with our stoppage time winners. Uh, mine's just kind of like short, silly. Uh, I just thought it was so funny. Uh, Dean Henderson uh, rocking the elusive, the rare baseball cap uh, in his game uh, this past weekend. Uh, and uh, it, it brought back I, I thought he wore it pretty well to be honest. Um, and it brought back images of, uh, I don't, do you remember Jordan Pickford wearing one last year? I mean, he, he looked literally like, uh, you know, the kid in the sandlot with the, you know, the bills way too long. And it, it's, it's not even one of those, um, uh, you know, clip ones in the back. It, I'd, I'd even let him get away with Velcro. It's just that, like that, that fucking leather strap back there. And it's hanging off loose on the end. Pickford, not able to pull it off. Dean Henderson though. I thought he pulled it off pretty good. Decently well, uh, you know, could be there, there's been better, there's been worse. I do find it a little weird that like nine times out of ten when a goalie's wearing a hat, somehow it's like only a hat that like a 65 year old man would wear. I don't understand why English Premier League teams don't have access to like a normal like, you know, like a normal fucking fitted hat that like, yeah, just a fitted cap. That's what I'm saying. Like, why, why is it these like, seriously, it's like the, the, the hat out of Sandlot that he carries with him for the, for the, you know, the yeah. rest of his, the movie. And it's got like the leather strap hanging out the bat. It's like, dude, it looks so bad. No, yeah, it's it's it was not a, a again as you said as as far as goalies go, I think Henderson has pulled it off. You know, not this is not the first time he's done it either, but he's always pulled it off looking about as good as you can possibly look. Uh, you know, and I think it possibly helps because a few times he's done it wearing like the short sleeves. I think the short sleeves makes it seem like a little bit more palatable as well. Um, mm. Yeah, at least he doesn't look like a complete doofus. Yeah, <laughs> there you have it. Uh, Jared, what's your stoppage time winner? Well, I would be hard pressed if we, I really went through an entire podcast without mentioning uh, MLS. 
So I'll just do a brief little uh, MLS attackers wearing yellow, uh, scoring some braces this weekend. Cucho Hernandez for Columbus, Hani Mokhtar for Nashville. Uh, again, just another normal kind of week uh, of MLS. The only big thing, really, LAFC actually did lose a game. Uh, I know we just talked about their winning streak last time out, but they actually did lose to San Jose. Uh, but uh, to add to that, the Savage Time winner is also, uh, I got to say, is the Premier League now an MLS retirement league? Is that where all MLS players go when they're done with, like, competitive soccer and they just want to, like, lollygag around a field and just dominate a lesser league for a while? Uh, you know, Brendan Aronson and uh, Al Marone and Tyler Adams and Jack Harrison. And I mean, I, I think we might just be at the point where that's just where, you know, average MLS players go to become stars in a different league. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the uh, amazing part is that it, it's not just, you know, the put them out to pasture and just, you know, retire as an all star in the Premier League. Uh, but it's also, you know, the MLS is also the the, the breeding and, and the proving grounds for, for young players to go over there, too. It's, it's like, what does this league not do? I mean, I haven't seen Tyler Adams be this good against Chelsea since, like, Mourinho was there and he was, like, 16 at the Red Bulls. But, you know, you just wait a few years, you age, you mature, then you go over and you just do it again. But, you know, it all starts with uh, being a young star with an MLS. Mm, love it. Absolutely love it. Got to throw that MLS in there. Very good, Jared. Uh, that, that'll do it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and whistle full time. Um, Jared, I want to thank you for your time. And of course, to the uh, traveling supporters, I want to say thanks so much for listening. And of course, until next time. Bye bye.